Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. It was a seminal part of our childhood, and stepping through its hallowed doors led us to a fantasy world of the greatest toys and products we dare not even dream about. This is the rise and fall of Toys R Us. As a kid, I never got to go to Disneyland. Toys R Us was the closest I ever got, but to me it seemed like there could be no bigger thrill. Just walking in there was a sensory overload. Getting to go to Toys R Us before birthdays or during the Christmas season was like the land of possibilities. There were so many toys I adoringly looked at that I knew I would never get, but even just the idea of getting them was a thrill. Just being in there and seeing some of these iconic toys in person was a thrill in itself. But how did this iconic company go from a pivotal part of our childhoods to bankruptcy? Shouldn't a toy store last forever? This is a look back at the rise and fall of a very important part of the childhoods of many kids, Toys R Us. I don't want to grow up fun. Toys R Us kids. They got a million toys and toys R Us that I can play with. I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid. They got the best for so much less. You really flip your lid. From bike to train to video games. It's the biggest toy store there is. Gee whiz. I don't want to grow up. Because baby, if I did, I couldn't be a Toys R Us kid. More games, more toys. Oh boy. I want to be a Toys R Us kid. You may not know this, but the origins of Toys R Us go all the way back to the late 1940s. It all started with Charles P. Lazarus. Lazarus had started a baby furniture company in 1948. This was a smart business idea, as the post-war baby boom made for an endless amount of business. The company was called Children's Bargain Town. Besides the baby furniture, it was a natural that they would sell a small line of baby and children's toys. After a while, the toys started to be the better seller. There were a few reasons for this. The first is that baby furniture is something you tend to only buy one of. You buy a high chair once and that's it. And this was the 1940s, so they made items a lot better than the crap we have today. The furniture was so solid that it seemed to last indefinitely. People just didn't need to go back, but they would go back for the toys. Toys are great, they are generally cheap, kids get bored with them and they want something new. And they tend to break quicker leading to repeat purchases. Lazarus was smart enough to see an excellent opportunity. He would go all in on toys. Exactly 10 years later, Lazarus would open a store that would forever change the lives of millions of kids. 
1958, the very first Toys R Us opened in Rockville, Maryland. But it was a bit of a weird name. It obviously had the word toy in the title, so you can be pretty sure what they were selling. But why use the letter R instead of the word R? And why make the R backwards? It also didn't sound grammatically correct. Well, all you have to do is look at the founder's name for the reason behind this. Lazarus, or Laz, R, Us. It was all in his name. As for the backwards R, it was pretty simple. It was made to look like a child wrote it. Lazarus created and designed the iconic logo using a good mix of primary and bright colors. It really was the perfect logo to get the attention of kids. Toys R Us came out pretty hot. In the 1960s and 70s, it quickly cemented itself as one of the dominant toy stores. To kids born during this time and leading up to the 80s, it was the brand we instantly recognize. Like any good product directed at kids, Toys R Us would need some sort of mascot. We already had Mickey Mouse, Ronald McDonald, Tony the Tiger, Captain Crunch, and various other mascots. But Toys R Us definitely needed to go the animal mascot route. Animals are important for appealing to children. They call it anthropomorphism. This is when you give human-like characteristics to animals. Children are always drawn to animals, and when you can create one with human-like features, it makes them more trusting and builds more brand identity and loyalty. This is pretty much the reason every breakfast cereal ever has used one. It was also the reason you saw the use of Joe Camel to sell cigarettes. They were trying to appeal to kids. Basically, by using anthropomorphism, a brand is able to build trust and make their company more likable. Enter Jeffrey the Giraffe. Fun fact, at first, Jeffrey was going to go by Dr. G. Raff. This was in 1965, but he would become Jeffrey the Giraffe going into the later 60s. He would be a key part of Toys R Us's advertising and the way to build more of that trust with customers, specifically kids. A live action Jeffrey would be used in commercials starting as early as 1972. He was pretty big but could move around and even tap dance. You could argue that Toys R Us was replicating what they were seeing in Disneyland, or even vice versa. By 1981, Jeffrey the Giraffe would be mainly used in animated commercials, and there was an ulterior motive behind this. This early 80s period was an interesting time, and I've covered this a ton on the show, but it always seems to come back to this core issue of the deregulation in the restrictions in children's advertising. Up to this point, if this is brand new to you, there were severe regulations on how companies could market to kids, especially in the 60s and 70s. They found young children could not differentiate between what was a cartoon and what was a commercial. When Ronald Reagan lifted all these regulations, companies had full reign on attacking kids through as much corrupt advertising as possible. This is when you saw the use of licensed characters go up by 300%, and they turned commercials into straight cartoons. Kids were now being bombarded by marketing and manipulated their senses and understanding of what was a toy and what was a product and what was a commercial and for fun and what was making them scream for these new toys. Toys R Us got right on board with this. In 1983, to further confuse things, Thurl Ravenscroft performed the voice of Jeffrey. You might not know that name, but you definitely know his voice. There's a new store in town. There's a 
Moms and dads, are you looking for a bicycle, tricycle, football? Looking for a model kit, chess set, doll? Something for game time, playtime, fun time? Well, stop your looking and start to shopping at the store that has them all. The biggest Ravenscroft was the voice of iconic cartoon characters such as Tony the Tiger and sang You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch, from How the Grinch Stole Christmas. So pretty much good luck, kids. You didn't know what was going to hit you. And it's an interesting thing to point out how important Toys R Us is itself in the formulation of pop culture, specifically in the 1980s. If it wasn't for Toys R Us, some of the most popular toy crazes of the 80s and of all time might not have ever happened. Since Toys R Us was everywhere, new products were more accessible. It's not that big new toy brands wouldn't have been successful, but if they were only available in a Sears or a Kmart, they might not have created as big a splash. Also, when you went to somewhere like a Kmart, it was when your parents needed a ton of other stuff. Toys were just a small part of those stores, but not at Toys R Us. This was 100% toys only. Some of the obvious toy crazes include things like Transformers, G.I. Joe. Fight for freedom wherever there's trouble. G.I. Joe is there. G.I. Joe. Cobra Vision! Get the G.I. Joe Sky Striker! Ace the Airborne! Let's get those turkeys! We're gonna get Cobra this time! Our combat jets are on the way! Hey, check my missiles! They're A-OK! Great! I'm going down for a closer look! Way to go, Joe! G.I. Joe Sky Striker comes with Ace and two parachutes. Other figures sold separately from Hasbro. Hair Bears, Rainbow Bright. Uh, hi, I brought Rainbow Bright to meet you. Rainbow Bright? Who's she? She's my friend, and she has the power of the rainbow to make you happy. <gasps> She's beautiful. Look at her hair, and her purple star, and shiny dress. Rainbow Bright, you make me happy. <laughs> rainbow Bright makes everyone happy. <laughs> Bright has a purple star on her cheek and a rainbow star on her dress. She's by Mattel. There was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Furby, Pogs, Pound Puppies, He-Mans, just to name a few. When these toys entered our lives, we wanted them more than life itself, and there was no debating where you needed to go find them. Toys R Us. Any toy worth its salt could be found at Toys R Us, especially ones being heavily promoted through commercials and new cartoon series. I couldn't guarantee that a G.I. Joe hovercraft would be at my local Zellers, but I knew for sure I could find it at Toys R Us. Not only could you find specific toys there, you could find a lot of them. This made it more likely you could get one, or your parents could get one, or have a better chance of getting one. After all, it's the biggest toy store there is. Toys R Us may have been instrumental in the Cabbage Patch Kids craze of 1982. I've done a whole show about that if you want to go back and check it out. The hype for these things was off the charts and parents made a beeline for the nearest Toys R Us to get one. But these dolls were flying off the shelves. And since Toys R Us could carry more stock, the fact they didn't have any meant this thing was a legitimate craze. People were driving to other states to try to find them. Smaller stores may have only been able to carry a handful, but since Toys R Us could purchase larger quantities, going there was your best bet to try and find one. This would lead to more news reports of thousands of people showing up at a Toys R Us and then the stories of mob mentality taking over in the stores. 
If Toys R Us didn't exist, the Cabbage Patch Kids craze might not have happened. There would have been nowhere that carried such a vast supply and the best chance to get one. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Toys R Us might have also been responsible for the success of the new video game wave, specifically the Nintendo Entertainment System. As video games made a comeback in 1985-86, Toys R Us would be their unofficial home. Video games had moved from computer games to entertainment systems. No other store would be able to perfectly display them and have the room to do so. Also, be able to provide demonstration units to show how great these new games and systems really were. I really feel that when Nintendo launched new games, systems, and anything to do with Mario, they had Toys R Us in mind to make the launch successful. A hot toy craze can only go as far as the commercial hype. It eventually needs to get in stores, be properly displayed, and be available. It's easy to overlook their role in these huge franchises, but Toys R Us may have been the major player in a lot of our popular culture. But things were not as great as they seemed. You're probably thinking how Amazon and online shopping led to the downfall of Toys R Us, but we're not quite there yet. Things were humming along and in 1978, Toys R Us went public. Five years later, they expanded with Kids R Us. I don't think I ever went into one of these, but it was a clothing store for kids. In 1996, they expanded even further to Babies R Us. But by 2005, things looked a little shaky. That year, Toys R Us was taken off the stock market. Apparently, they were bought and turned into a private company during a leveraged buyout. The average kid would not understand what was going on behind the scenes, but little did we know the company was heading for a shock bankruptcy. In 2017, the definitive toy store had somehow gone bankrupt. What happened? How could the key store, the key toy store in our lives, and an instantly recognizable brand get to this point? Similar to Kmart, the company had been racking up debt for decades. A lot of this debt seemed to occur in 2005. That was when the company was purchased in that leveraged buyout. The big issue is they essentially bought the company with debt. With a leveraged buyout, huge loans are taken out, so ownership has to start in the negative. This was a massive risk, but it was thought the world's biggest toy store would eventually make back this money. But between 2005 and 2017, a lot of other changes happened. Competition from Walmart and Target was one of the biggest things. The company was also now privately owned. Toys R Us also went full on at this time with the holiday season. This time of year is obviously their bread and butter and up to 40% of the year's profits are made at Christmas. But the company started doing things like keeping stores open for 24 hours. In 2013, they decided stores would stay open for 87 straight hours leading up to Christmas. But keep in mind, Toys R Us had been around for nearly 60 years. Again, like Kmart, which I did a whole show all about if you want to go back and check that out, this was affecting operation. 
decades-old systems needed updating, a better online presence was also needed, customer service, store layouts, and better pricing strategies and promotions really needed to be improved. So I don't totally understand these leveraged buyouts, but the basics that I can understand is they really put a company behind the eight ball. The interest rates are so high that it can be hard for the company to keep its head above water. If this buyout happened in, say, 1985, it probably wouldn't be an issue because Toys R Us ruled the landscape. In the 2000s, this landscape had drastically changed. This debt was going to be brutal. The timing of this seems to be pretty bad, especially with the online shopping world changing. I think Toys R Us thought this wouldn't hurt them because they did have a big online store. They actually had been kind of early to the internet game and had launched ToysRUs.com nearly 20 years prior. They had also bought eToys.com and Toys.com to have a wider online base. But it was hard to predict how big the online shopping space would become, specifically how big Amazon would grow. Remember, going into the 2000s, Amazon had primarily just been selling books. But here's something really interesting. In 2000, Toys R Us actually entered a 10-year agreement with Amazon. The online giant was nowhere as big as it is now, so back then, Toys R Us would be an exclusive supplier of toys and baby products. The deal was worth over $50 million but Toys R Us would sue Amazon in 2004 because the perceived lack of variety in toys allowed third-party sellers to come in. These third parties were now selling toys competing directly with Toys R Us on products the toy company believed they had the exclusive rights to sell. This would drag on for six years until Toys R Us was allowed to get out of the agreement and was also awarded $51 million. It's an interesting situation of worlds colliding. It would be also interesting what the trajectory of Toys R Us would have been had this original deal with Amazon worked. But eventually, Walmart and Target would start to offer all the same toys, but for a lot cheaper. Plus, Walmart and Target had everything else you needed on a shopping trip, so you could get everything under one roof. But it was in 2017 when things started to fall apart. It's the end of an era. One of the most recognizable names in American retail is closing its doors today. In 2017, Toys R Us declared Chapter 11 bankruptcy. This doesn't mean they went under, but could restructure. They had nearly $5 billion in debt and had to borrow another $2 billion to get through that year's holiday season. In 2018, they announced they would liquidate and close 182 stores. They would combine some stores with Babies R Us. Here in Canada, the company was actually going along pretty decently. We heard all about the shock closing of all the American stores, but it seemed like our Canadian locations might stay put. Even despite being older, it was a real dagger to hear Toys R Us was falling apart. They soon announced that all U.S. stores would be closed. The 82 stores we still had in Canada were actually profitable, and different companies were interested in acquiring them. The brand was obviously still recognizable. But on June 29, 2018, all U.S. stores were closed. Toys R Us has announced plans to close all 735 of its U.S. stores, impacting 30,000 employees saddled with billions of dollars in debt. Toy Company declared bankruptcy in September. A disappointing holiday season sealed the fate of the 70-year-old company. A huge part of everyone's childhood shut its doors for the last time. In a pretty heartwarming move, some unknown organizations bought out the remaining stock so the toys could be noted to charity. 
but a few stores did hang on. The company actually came out of bankruptcy in 2019 and emerged as True Kids, T-R-U Kids. They even opened two new Toys R Us locations. Unfortunately, both of these would close in January 2021. But the Toys R Us name has not completely disappeared, nor do I think it ever will. It's just too recognizable and may always exist in some format. The website continues to live on, and in December 2021, the company opened a giant two-story flagship store in New Jersey. So what led to the downfall of this once great company? I've heard a few arguments on how kids don't play with toys the same way we did in the 70s and 80s and even going to the 90s a little bit. I'm not sure if this is totally true, but modern kids might not have had the wide range of amazing toy franchises we did back then. There will always be a hot new toy this season, but in the 80s, we had several every year and they lasted for most of the decade. With no advertising restrictions, it was the wild west of toys and how they could market them. Going into the 90s and 2000s, those restrictions started to come back. Did that have a major impact on kids wanting a toy more than life itself? But back in the 80s and the decades leading up to it, we just didn't have as many entertainment options. Yes, we had TV and video games, but not at the level available now. Kids will always play with toys, but have they gravitated even more so to video games? And most video games don't even exist in a physical format. You buy or stream them online, so there's really no reason to go to a brick and mortar store. And with the upgrades and add-ons available for each video game, you can keep playing the same game for a few years. Modern games constantly change and evolve, and these games continue to feel like they're new. When we had Duck Hunt, that was it. It never changed. My nieces and nephews loved toys when they were little, but as they got older and still kids, they were much more likely to spend time on a tablet or on video games. Did toys reach their peak in the 1980s? Is the idea of a physical toy store completely outdated? There are a lot of factors that led to the demise of Toys R Us, and it's impossible to pinpoint its failure to just one thing. But I'm going to come out and say it. I think toys did reach their peak in the 1980s. And Toys R Us was the magical gateway to them. So I'm going to finish it there. I'm sure you have your own fond memories of Toys R Us, or at least the commercials and one of the most iconic commercial jingles of all time. It's interesting to sort of look back and know now exactly what was going on instead of just hearing Toys R Us went bankrupt. And it was hard to hear when that happened. But, you know, again, it was just such an important part of most kids' lives. And I just want to finish with, and if you're in a position to do so, you might be interested in supporting this show over at patreon.com. And on Patreon, I've got a few different tiers depending on what level you support at, and they come with different audio rewards. One of those tiers includes the Everything 80s Movie Review Podcast, and I just put up a new movie review on something I'd totally forgotten all about till it was mentioned to me on Patreon, and that is Clue, the movie from 1985. It Our heads are just, like I said in the episode, we're so full of all these memories and toys and movies and cartoons that some things just get pushed to the side. I had completely forgotten about this movie that I was 
pretty obsessed with. I love the board game. And to see this thing come to the big screen was pretty amazing. Plus, it starred Christopher Lloyd, who had just come off Back to the Future. So it had everything, you know, a lot of kids uh, would want. And it's also a very interesting look because it was a unique groundbreaking approach to a movie because they actually filmed three different endings and every theater would get one of those three endings and you didn't know which one it was. And some people maybe saw it a little gimmicky, but this really hadn't been done before. I don't know if we've even seen anything like that since. So uh, the whole review talks about all the big stars that were in this movie, the unique approach it had to take. So if you're interested in listening to that and all the other movie reviews and supporting this show, you can just check out patreon.com slash 80s. So that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash 80s. But that's it for me. Thanks for listening. I'll be back soon with a new episode. Don't you dare miss it.